0: I've got the victory living inside of me. I got the bread I want. I can't overcome. This ain't no time to turn back. No less to grow slack. I gotta keep pressing on till every battle is won. Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. The best way to start faith class is with faith, right? (laughs) Believing that you're going to get benefited. And of course, if the anointed word is involved, If you're paying attention and receptive, that's what's going to happen every time. So get your Bible and get something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom and let's believe the Lord today for answers and help. Father, thank you so much for sustaining us, helping us like you have. Uh, You've been so gracious. You're such a good father, good Father God. We ask you for the utterance and anointing and ears and hearts to discern and hear exactly a revelation of truth and light, a supply of the Spirit, what we need to strengthen us and quicken us and help us today. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look, please, in Mark 7 again as we continue our study that we're calling faith. For healing. And we're building our faith for healing by looking at these 20 individual accounts recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're down today to number 11 the healing of the deaf man with the speech impediment. Let's begin reading in verse 31 again. It says that Jesus, again departing from the coast of Tyre and Zidon, he came to the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And we have found by reading other scriptures, that this is referred to in several other places, that these cities uh, did not respond well to the ministry of Jesus that they didn't receive. It said that when they brought to him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him, and he took him aside From the multitude. And then after they were relocated, he put his hands on him and spoke over him, and he was delivered and and healed and restored. But we've been talking about this phrase uh, that he took him aside from the multitude. Why did he uh, do that? Um, He didn't always do that everywhere he went. But there were occasions, and sometimes he didn't just take them, uh, you know, completely uh, out of the area, Uh, but in Mark 8, he did. We saw this yesterday. This is actually our next account, I think, that we'll be studying. The healing of this blind man uh, in Bethsaida. Now, why did it tell us he was there? Well, again, it goes back to the Decapolis and back to those, that region in that area. They brought a blind man to him, besought him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, Mark 8, 23, and led him out of the town. Took him all the way out of the town area before he would minister to him. And so the question is why? Why would he do that? First of all, need to remember that Jesus said He didn't do anything of His self. He, he did what He saw from His Father. He did what He heard from His Father. He actually said, I can of my own self do nothing. Jesus said that. Because He's doing it as a man. Like we uh, have to do things. Anointed of the Spirit. So if there were times that Jesus would minister to somebody before he got him away from other people or completely out of the area should we know about this because if he could have just ministered to him without doing that he would have you remember uh, we on one of the occasions one of the uh, cases I should say that we've studied where the uh, the man's daughter had died And Jesus finally got to his house and they were all mourning. And you remember remember that? And the Bible said, he put them all out. You remember that? He put them all out and then took just Peter, James, and John and the mom and dad and nobody else. And he took them into the house and ministered to the girl. Why would he do that? Uh, We need to ask these questions and answer them because a lot of people in their minds Jesus is ministering as God. So he just does what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, no matter what. And if you believe that, then you're not going to believe that you can minister like that. And then the people that's involved really have nothing to do with it. Because he's going to do what he decides to do whether they believe, whether they don't, whether they want it, whether they don't, that just is not what happened, and it's not what happens today. So if he wouldn't minister to people under certain circumstances and conditions, it must have been because they're not going to receive like that. This is a big deal, (laughs) right? Because so many church-going people, they balk at that, and they go, oh, no, no, no. no. Jesus is God, and, and, and people even preach like that. He walked on the water. Why? Because He's God. Yes and no. He is God. He didn't quit being God, but He did empty Himself, the Scriptures teach, of His mighty knowledge and power. He's not operating in omniscience or in all power. If he is, he can't be tempted like you or I, right? Then he never knew what it's like to not know something or to not be able to do something. And yet the Bible said he was tempted in all points just like us. Then that means he had to become a human being like us and function like us, which means not in omniscience. Uh, Why did he put those people out? Go with me if you would. You're you're here in, in Mark. Just back up just a little bit to the sixth chapter, six and one. It said, he went out, Jesus went out from there and came to his own country. Isn't it something how that repeatedly it tells you where he was? (laughs) And now we're seeing why that's a bigger deal than we thought. Because you may be thinking, well, that was a long time ago and I live half uh, half a world away. Why do I need to know that geography? It's not the geography. It's the spiritual environment. Mm-hmm. And you do need to know that, and understand that. He came into his own country, where he people knew him, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man this th- these things? We'd say, where, where did he get all this? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? Even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. And they're not just curious. They're dismissive. Basically, this is a, who is he? Who does he think he is? And they go on to say, is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now offended has to do with something you don't like they decided they don't like this they think jesus is acting too big for his britches as we say you might know what, what that phrase means <laughs> they they think who does he think he is he's not even a minister i mean he didn't go to school he he didn't have the degrees like our doctors of the law and he's a carpenter's son he grew up Working on with wood and stuff. And who's his family? I mean, we know his family. We know his mama. We know his sisters and his brothers. And What what are they saying? He's just people like us. He's from here. Who is he standing up saying he's anointed? They were offended at him. You know, Jesus made this statement when uh, uh, John the Baptist had been put in prison. And, you know, John was the one that introduced Jesus' ministry to the area, to that generation. I mean, he, uh, Jesus came to him to be baptized in water. And, and when he saw him, he said, oh, no, 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 I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, no, we've got to fulfill scriptures. And so he did. He baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came on him. Whew. And, and. Uh, John's disciples uh, said, you know, is, is that the one? Is that the one you've been talking about? He said, that's him. That's the one I'm not worthy to stoop down and undo his sandal. And they said, uh, it's been nice knowing you. And they left. <laughs> and they followed Jesus. And, and the Bible said what a greatness of John the Baptist is he went ahead and said, he said, well, that's how it's supposed to be. Uh, he's supposed to increase and I'm supposed to decrease. And when they came, John's ministry was so prominent that the leaders came and said, you know, who are you doing all these things? And he just preempted him. he said, I'm not the Christ. I'm not him. <laughs> but he went on to talk about who he was and what his ministry was. But then years later, or sometime later, he's in prison. And then uh, uh, his, John's disciples, his diehard guys, came by and said, uh, uh, Visiting him, helping him. And he said, go ask him, Jesus, are you really the one? Or should we, are we looking for somebody else? Now, what happened? Right? Because back at the baptism, (laughs) in the glory, he wasn't confused. But it just shows you how, you know, hardship and he's in prison and he's in a bad place and environment. Hmm, Do you hear this? In this environment, uh, it's easier to doubt. In this environment, it's easier to question. Uh, Are you uh, the one that, are you him? Well, he's the one said he was him. Are you one that, uh, are we looking for somebody else? And so Jesus, while his deceit, he said, well, y'all just sit down and, and wait through the service here. They saw people healed. They saw people delivered. They saw, he said, you go back and tell him. Blind eyes are open. Deaf ears are open. The lame walk. And blessed is he who's not offended in me. Now, what does that mean? We, we know that's right, but what does that mean? What if you are offended in him? You don't experience the blessing. Did you see that? You don't experience the blessing if you get an attitude and you question dismissively and disrespect, you disrespect the Lord and his things and his people, you're not going to experience blessing. Blessed is he who not offended, who doesn't get offended in me. Back to this, it says, uh. They were offended at him, verse 3, Mark 6. But Jesus said to them, A prophet's not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. It might be uh, challenging for us to to grasp, but there was a point where Jesus' own mother and brothers and sisters thought he had lost it. (laughs) Have you read the scripture? And at one point, they came, to, and if you look at the scriptures together, they came to get him, to take him home, to, to save him from himself. <laughs> and at one point, you know, the uh, different ones said, uh, Jesus, your mama and your family are, are outside the door, they're, they're wanting to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> They want to tie you up and take you home. They want to tie. And, and he just looked around and said, uh, uh, the ones that hear the word of God and do it, that's my mother and my brothers. And he didn't even get up and go to the door, to his own mother and his own family. Why? In his own house, he didn't have the respect. See, it's too easy when you know people after the flesh to judge them after the flesh and to be carnal yourself and walk by sight instead of by faith and go, well, that's just, you know, that's just my husband. That's just my wife. That's just my sister. That's that's just sissy, you know. That's just Bubba, you know. Well, what kind of people does God use, right? (laughs) Human beings, just like us, who don't know everything, who've made mistakes growing up. And so people, that, that's something people have had a challenge reconciling. Uh, I used to know them, you know, and man, they, they were wild. And they're a preacher now. I mean, I don't think so. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there is this thing called getting saved. Right? <laughs> and it's real. I said, it's real. You know, before Paul was the great apostle, Paul, he was uh, Saul persecutor of the church is that right? I mean he was he was mean in some ways and and yet he got saved he got completely changed so we must make an effort not to judge after the flesh it'll help you to pray and let's just pray it right now Lord open my eyes, open my eyes. to the people around me and the people in my life. life. Help me to see them them through your eyes eyes. and not judge after the flesh. Appreciate appreciate them them. and value them them. for the gifts that they are are. and the the graces you've placed in them. In Jesus' name. Was this an issue in Jesus' own ministry, and was it a limiter when it came to manifestation of healings and miracles? You see it right here. He said, prophets not without honor, but his own country and kin and house. Verse 5, he could there do no mighty work. Now, this is something you need to get stressed Somebody and say, well, he, he decided not to. No, it didn't say he decided not to. It said he couldn't. Jesus couldn't do something. That's what it says. Jesus could there do no mighty work except he laid his hands upon a few sick, and the implication is sickly folk, and healed them. But there were no, there was no mighty works like what, like blind eyes opening, like uh, you know paralyzed people walking. Like there was none of that. There were a few people that were sickly that he was able to minister to, and he what? He marveled because of their unbelief. He was surprised at how completely they just rejected it and refused to believe it. Now, we'll get into this, I think, in our future classes, but there are two basic kinds of unbelief. Two basic kinds. In fact, let's, just, let's talk about it a little bit right now while we're here. Um, go with me, if you would, to 1 uh, Timothy, the first chapter. They'll put it on the self-writing chalkboard that we have here. First Timothy 1.12, Jesus said, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who has enabled me. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. We were just talking about this. Who before was a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. There is an ignorant unbelief. And that is you just don't know better. And and Saul, when he was doing what he was doing, he thought he was doing it for God. He really thought that this Jesus thing was a cult that needed to be stamped out. That it was in the way of Moses and the law and the prophets. And so he was on a mission to stamp it out. And only when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, I mean, it took something to shake him, didn't it? Or he would have kept on trying to wipe the church out. And he realized, uh, he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus. Don't you know that was a shock for me though? <laughs> Jesus? Oh, you're... so Jesus is real. And the risen Jesus is real. And he is the Messiah and the Savior. So I mean, Saul's world got turned upside down right there then. But he said, I was doing what I was doing in unbelief. But it was an ignorant unbelief. Can you see that? Well, there's another kind of unbelief that's, that's much worse. And in Hebrews, the third chapter, Hebrews 3, and again, they'll put it on the screen for us, verse 12. Hebrews 3 and 12. It warns us and it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Being ignorant not being evil. It's just not knowing something. But here, why did he call it evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God? But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So we see combined with this kind of evil unbelief is a hardening. So verse 18 in this same chapter, Hebrews 3 and 18 says... To whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of their unbelief. Now this is that other kind of unbelief that we're talking about. You'll notice that this same word is other places translated disobedience. Disobedience. And in the Amplified Version, brings out some of this meaning. Amplified, verse 19, Hebrews three nineteen, says, We see they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Their unbelief had shut them out. There's a difference between not knowing and being absolutely unwilling to believe. That is a rebelliousness. That is a defiance. It's not just you don't know enough to believe, you know plenty to believe, you just refuse to accept it. That's a different thing. And that results in a hardening of one's heart. When you resist what you know is right and you know you should believe and accept and go with, it affects your heart in a callousness. And, a, and a, it causes you to be dulled, and desensitized, and hardening of your heart. Ben, that's a bad thing spiritually because the harder in heart that you get, the duller in hearing you are. You just get to where you don't hear God. I mean, God could be speaking to you through a megaphone, and you'd go, "What is it? I thought I heard something." You, you just just dull spiritually. You don't want to be dull spiritually. Do you? How many want to have not a hard heart, but a tender heart? A tender heart is a sensitive heart. And a sensitive heart can hear clear. Hallelujah. Distinctly. How many want to know it when the Lord is speaking to you? You want to know it's Him. And you be sure. And you want to be clear as to what He's communicating to you. Well, we have more to do with that than anybody else. It's not just up to God. The Lord is endeavoring to speak to everybody on the planet. It's just most folks are not listening. Many people don't even believe He exists, so you're not going to be tuned in to something you don't believe exists. But you can be sensitive of heart to the point where, you know, like, like the prophet went out, Uh, And said there was a a fire, but God wasn't in it. And then there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in it. But then there was a, a still small voice. Hallelujah. And that was Him. That was God. That's in every one of us, every one of us believers, that still small voice, that witness, that inner knowing, and that peace that passes understanding. That's how He leads. And one of the ways that you get sensitive and you stay sensitive is that you obey. Are y'all with me, class? When you hear something, you see something, you know it, you do it. You walk in the light that you have. Back to this passage in, in Mark 6, he said, no honor, no respect, and in verse 5, He could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk. This is recorded also in Matthew, and Matthew says it like this. He did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. So there's no question what shut it down. Does this begin to open up why Jesus took the man by the hand and got him out of town? Why? He didn't respect the ministry there. They didn't respect the ministry. They didn't believe in the power or in God's goodness. And in that environment, it makes it hard for people to receive. Jesus couldn't do, get any mighty works going. Now, what a statement. Couldn't in his own hometown because of their being offended at him and their attitude and their disrespect. So let's uh, be aware of that. And know that there are times and places that are not conducive to receiving. But then we're in charge of our houses and our homes and our places, right? In our churches. And we ought to have an environment that is just conducive totally to the Holy Spirit showing up. Somebody say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit come, on come on in. You are welcome here. We, you. Honor you we honor you in Jesus' name. Jesus. Praise God. Our time's up for today. Come back next time. We'll see you for some more faith in Faith School. really enjoyed being with you again this week here in Faith School. I can just sense in my spirit that we're growing, you're growing, developing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, many of you are partners with us, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. And I, I believe with you, and we all pray and believe with you. And one of the things that came to my heart this this last day of of class is that what the Lord said about uh, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase and your barns would be filled with plenty, your presses would burst out with new wine. Plenty is connected to honor. And so when you sow your seed, when you bring tithes to the Lord or any of these things, uh, let's not do it mechanically, but let's do it from a heart of honor. Why do we give? Because we value the things of God. They're precious to us. His word, His spirit, His church, His people. Said out loud with me, I honor you, Lord. I honor you with my heart, with my words, with my substance, with my giving, with my life. Hallelujah. And the great thing about that, he said, if you honor Him, He will honor you. You seek him first, he will see to it that all things you need are added to you. And I speak it over you in Jesus' name. It's coming to pass in these days. Well, thank you again for supporting and praying and believing with us. Come back next week. There's a lot more to learn about faith. We'll see you soon here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School.